everyone, and welcome back to the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. Today, we have Susie Webster chatting with us, who is the founder of Lust in the Low Country, a singing romance conference that had authors attend with over 80 million books sold throughout their career. It was both a networking event for authors and a book festival, a lot of really cool things. It's an interesting model for conferences, and it really shares how she supercharged both her author and reader network. It's really incredible. I actually had the privilege of volunteering at the conference and Amelia spoke there. So we had firsthand experience of being a part of this community and we're just so impressed and we decided we'd love to talk to Susie on the podcast. It's really inspirational because she started her career in her late 40s and a lot of people may be thinking they've missed the boat at that point. Why did they pursue their dreams earlier? But she's really an example of how she built off of her prior knowledge and expertise to contribute something valuable to the author community just when she was getting started. And as a new author, she was able to build a network that is really unmatched. So I think we can learn a lot from her when building our own communities, both as a reader community and our author community. I know this isn't explicitly about subscriptions. Next week, we have one of the longest running and most successful subscription authors ever coming on our podcast, which will be super awesome. And if you're interested in joining a community, I couldn't recommend more if you're a senior romance author to join Lost in the Low Country. The Facebook group is in the description below, and it's an awesome group of ladies with tons of insight, both readers and authors in there. And if you're an author of singing romance or any other genre interested in pursuing a subscription model and being with a, a welcoming community of authors just looking to carve out their own path in publishing, check out the Subscriptions for Authors Facebook group in the description. That'll be it for me. Let's get into it. I think where we should start, because I think Susie is one of the most sweet and just innovative, imaginative authors out there, and I know her. So we should talk about how we met, which is very connected to um, who you are and what you do as an author. I guess through Amelia Rose, who sent me an email about your interest in my Lust in the Low Country Romance Con, and then I guess you and I connected and made plans to meet up with each other when you got back to Charleston from your stint in Boston. Yes. She's a fellow Charlestonian. And for some context, Lust in the Low Country is an awesome romance conference that took place in Charleston. And before we get to what the conference is and your advice on maybe people who want to throw in-person events or attend conferences, where did your journey start as an author? My journey started as an author probably when I was in elementary school and I wrote my first book. And I made the whole book cover and did all of it myself. And my sister still has that book to, to this day. I didn't even know it still existed until a couple of years ago when she took a picture of it and posted it on Facebook, which was really embarrassing. I just always loved writing. I was an editor of my literary magazine when I was in high school. And so I was really very, very popular, as you can imagine, being the editor of the literary magazine. <laughs> I think I'm cool now. So I was a late bloomer. But uh, so I always loved writing, but I just kind of life got in the way. So I got real, real jobs that helped me pay the bills and enabled me to move out of my, my house when I was 18. And I started working in real estate really young and spent about a dozen years in, in the real estate business. I did events for about, I'd say about 10 years. And it was probably around 2017 that I had kind of wrapped up an event and I told my husband, I said, I just... I don't really know what I'm going to do next. And I just am tired of doing events and I want to do something else. 
and I've really always wanted to write a book. And I'm really interested in kind of helping women that are of my age, which I was in my late 40s then, and kind of helping them find, I guess, find their passion, not only for career or life, but just also in the bedroom and reconnecting with their husband and realizing that life over 40 is not over. It's just beginning. And... um I said, I think a great way for me to kind of connect with a lot of women is if I write spicy romance novels. So I said, I feel like this is a way for me to kind of connect all the parts and pieces. I had just done an event called the I Goddess Fair, which was super rewarding. And it was a really fun event. And I had a hundred different females involved in that event. And it was very, very cool. But it was not the greatest financial event I've ever had. So it was kind of it was a it was kind of a burnout for me on events. But the the concept and the idea of helping women kind of stuck with me after that. So I decided that I would use the platform of writing novels so I could kind of scratch that itch as well as getting me in front of a bigger audience of women. That was my that was my plan anyway. So I just sat down one day and started writing. I wrote out a kind of an outline. I wrote down the characters. I was knew I wanted to do a series. I knew I wanted to set it in Charleston because I love Charleston. I'm super passionate about Charleston, even though I, even though I'm not a native and I wasn't born here. Great city. But I've been here s- since 2006. <laughs> I've just built up a really wonderful community of people here in Charleston that surprisingly I never had in Northern Virginia where I was born and raised and lived for 36 years. So that's kind of what got me started. And I just did it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had bought some books on writing your a, a book, self-publishing versus traditional publishing, how to write a query, all these different things that I kind of researched as I was also writing the book. And eventually I decided after talking to some people and doing my own research that I didn't want to actually even find an agent or go even try to go down the traditional publishing route because I felt that I was already kind of in the marketing uh, marketing side of things. And I knew that even if I had an agent, even if I had a publisher, I would still be required to do all of those things. So I'm like, why do I want to split my money? I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so I hired a company to come in and handle all the logistics of the book side that I didn't know or understand, such as finding me an editor, someone to design the book cover and format the book and do all those things. But I decided that I kind of wanted to do things on my own timeline and have control. So after that first book publishing, I hired my own editor, I hired my own book designer, I did all of that stuff on my own for the rest of the books I published, which is which works great for me. Because then I'm not under anyone else's time constraints. I can do things my own way. And and yeah. I saved about 50% of my out-of-pocket costs by doing it that way versus paying paying the, the company. Well, understandably, because yeah. they were doing all the all the logistical work. So that's how I got started. And, and it did lead me into, I did have some speaking engagements. I did a women's conference here in Charleston where I had a workshop about finding your passion and writing your own chapter in in life. And I had about 50 women come to that. And it just kind of kept me, spurred me on to keep wanting to do more of that sort of thing. Like, how can I connect different kinds of women? And we can all share the same love and passion for books and romance and reading and that sort of thing. (laughs) That's 
Beautiful, beautiful. I first want to just throw in a disclaimer and say that there's always in any community, there's mm-hmm. always talks of like vanity publishers and there's a lot of people who are predatory. And when you're hearing what Susie's saying, a lot of times the pitch that she said can be what vanity yeah. publishers kind of throw at you. Oh, we just will help market it and sell your book. Just give us this huge fee. I'm familiar with the people she worked with and, and they're a very good team, but definitely her path of moving into handling it all herself is what I think is just baseline, really good advice. And a lot of us probably already know that, but for those who maybe are just starting out and are a little bit wary, like a lot of these kinds of groups are vanity publishers, yeah. like run it by other authors because we know best when it comes to things like that. You've talked so much about community and about this really ethos that you have and this yeah. group of women that you wanted to kind of bring around your stories. I mean, that is that is such a beautiful inspiration to write. And I wanted to ask you in terms of how you actually market your books and actually build your community. When you first were starting out and approaching all of this, I knew not all of them obviously read romance novels, but it's funny. And I'm sure Amelia, uh, Rose, you, you run into this as well as like when you tell people what you do, especially if it's women of really almost any age over the age of like 25, they just perk right up and they're like, oh, like I read Fifty Shades of Grey or I read romance and they just are so intrigued. So I kind of, I had a network. I had a lot of women that I was already connected to through my other events and efforts. So I just kind of expanded that and started my own author page, of course, and just started networking myself, mostly through my own social media channels. Obviously, the more you can target your reader audience, the better. And that's a big reason why I started out at kind of a good time, bad time because of COVID happening. I published my first book in 2018 and I started doing events. I did book signings all over Charleston. My books were in Barnes and Noble, which was really cool. Wow. I, I hired a publicist. So I did all of these things. I did spend, spend a bit more money on that first book than I have since, but I definitely got a lot of local attention and had local events here for my books and started traveling to book signings. And then 2020 happened. And yeah, I mean, but the big thing was, is that I realized when I started doing book signings personally, and as a new author, that there really was very little out there for a new romance author. Most of the bigger book signings you had to already be established or have a bestseller, or be invited, those sorts of things. So I felt like there was a great opportunity, especially here in the Southeast, to put something together that was not only would put newer authors in front of new readers, but also help them in their journey of self or indie publishing, because I didn't really have anybody to help me. So it was just kind of a light bulb moment for me after going to one or two events and realizing, wow, this is like a great way to build my audience and build super fans is to meet them in person. But there's not a lot of opportunity to do that. So (laughs) how can I change that? with my experience as an event planner and my marketing experience, what can I do and help these authors? And then of course it becomes trying to reach out to established authors and convince them also to come to your event because you want them to bring their readers for your new authors. (laughs) How did you go about that? Because you were approaching all this during a global pandemic maybe like to a lot of people, even myself included, a very scary time to even be thinking about doing an event. And 
you approached this, you started contacting people about it. So what made you feel like this was a passion that you felt so strongly about it? How were you able to take this risk and make events, it work I've for you? I've done events of all sizes, but primarily the events I've done have been really pretty large scale, which is a much bigger risk. And I knew we started planning it really right before the pandemic, honestly, and that, but for 2021. And so I was like, well, that'll all be over by then. It'll be fine. This is just a short-term problem. But I think it kind of worked a little bit to my advantage because authors weren't traveling and they weren't doing book signings. So they were around and available to kind of talk to. And I just basically just hit the ground as a reader too. I'm an avid, avid reader. So I probably read, well, last year I read about 200 books. I haven't read as many this year, but I mean, I would say I read probably 150 plus books a year and now primarily romance. Since I started writing romance, that's pretty much all I read. So I just started reaching out to some of my favorite authors and saying, hey, look, I love your book, books. I'm planning an event in the Southeast uh, in Charleston. I'd love for you to come and just kind of trying to figure out ways that I could entice them to, to come to my event and be a part of it. Got a couple um, good responses. I had actually a lot more interest for 2021, but then we pushed it to 2022. So when we reached back out for 2022, we lost a couple people that we thought we had secured, but we still had a good handful of established authors that were willing to come to Charleston and be a part of it. And the big thing too was trying to find people that could also contribute something for our newer authors, not just in the way of just being there physically for a book signing and bringing in their readers, but also who are the authors that can share their experience in a way that will help our newbies kind of grow. And so that was the other thing is that I wanted to find a variety of authors that could offer different experiences. And so for example, Jennifer Hartman is a newer author, but she's having a really great kind of organic success right now. She's really good on social media. How can she tell her story and share what she does? She has a rabid, rabid fan base of, of readers that love her kind of emotional stories. So kind of bringing her in to kind of s share what she did because her first book was published in 2020, two years after mine. She's a lot more successful than I am. So what, what is she doing that is making her stand out, both as a writer and also on the marketing side? Jen Sterling is a more has been around longer, started out in a more a little more traditional way and has done tra more traditional publishing versus self-publishing. So kind of bringing her in to talk about that. Amelia Rose, who's doing the subscription-based. So different kinds of stories that we could share as well as industry professionals. Like I haven't had an editor come in. I invited some publishers to come in, those sorts of things so that you'd have kind of a variety for these authors to learn from. And then I just kind of started growing it from there. Just calling, calling, Michael, just calling people, talking to people, kissing yourself and just networking, which I've always been good at. And it's important. I mean, that was one of the kind of things I wanted to leave with the authors is that the most important thing about being a new author is to find your tribe and build your tribe. Like I'm building my tribe of other authors that have maybe started out around the same time as me. The ones that are hustlers that I see are doing all the things that you should do, and I want to support them, and I want them to support me. So that's my tribe. So that was kind of my big takeaway, too. And if you look at some of the more successful authors that have been around seven, 10 years, 
since Fifty Shades of Grey, those people all came up in, around the same time and they all support each other. So that's a big thing. I mean, authors are readers. And so if you can get some big readers that are also authors to kind of say, hey, I read Susie's books. They're great. And to share it on their page. That's so, so huge. I mean, it's the most, the best free advertising you could possibly ask for, right? So that was my big thing too, is how can I connect these more established authors that are also somewhat new maybe with some ones that are struggling, but you can tell that they're, that they're doing the right things and their books are great. How can I connect all those people together? Yeah. No, that, that's huge. And from that, because when talking about a community of authors, we kind of think about the Facebook groups that exist, some of the podcasts and communities built off of it that are very like broad. And I love a lot of them. There's self-publishing formula, there's 20 books. I mean, we could go down a list of, I think, some pretty cool places for authors. And you, though, weren't trying to just build a community for any author and specifically not even any romance author. You focused on steamy romance. And I have a question for both Amelia and Susie, which is, how have you felt both being semi romance authors about the community that exists for authors? I have tended to focus more on the romance community in general. I've been to book signings and book events that were more all, all kinds of genres. But as you probably found, Amelia, too, those, those, there tends to be a large group of romance authors in, within that anyway. And I feel like in the last <laughs> 10 years, I think there has been kind of a rising up of just embracing more the spicy romance because you're finding it, it's just more prevalent in the books and it's just becoming more and more accepted. And I mean, I'm shocked to see, I'm shocked to have a lot of male fans as well. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I'm always surprised by that. And even my husband reads all my books. He's my number one beta reader. So I'll find some books like that in the romance genre that I think that my Lee Childs, a Jack Reacher, Jack Carr loving husband will swallow because I want him to kind of also stay on top of what I'm doing. And so when he reads my books, he's a little bit in tune with what other authors are writing and what the levels of creativity are there. Of course, and he's like, well, why can't you write a book like that? <laughs> Where people are killing people. And I'm like, well, that's not really my thing. but um, it's just kind of interesting because I do think there's just so many more people entering into the writing of romance novels. And so the talent level has risen so much. So I think that people are starting to realize that there is some amazing talent, also lots of money to be made in the romance genre. So you are seeing a lot more people. And I, I've noticed even, and even my husband has mentioned, like reading his kind of guidebooks, as you, if you will, even those are kind of upping the spice factor and he's seeing more like sex scenes in his, yeah, in his thrillers. So David Baldacci is probably on the side somewhere like reading romance novels so he can get the tips on how to write <laughs> those scenes. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just speculating here. Sorry. I don't know you personally, David, but I'm just saying that that's probably happening. And I'm the kind of personality too, that I'm just like a laugh it off. I'm like, if someone calls my stuff smut, I'm like, yeah, it's smut. It's smut that your wife is reading every day. So why is she reading, yeah, all, exactly. why is she reading all that? I'm just wondering. <laughs> I feel like in the past few years, I just like, I'm mostly just in the steamy romance community. I don't really drift far from it, but 
people are becoming a lot more open with what they like and like what's like they're they're fine talking about like hey i like this like really really dark romance like type of romance and people are accepting of it a lot more like i wouldn't say 100 percent everyone is accepting of it but a lot more compared to like where we were like five yeah social media is a huge factor in that i mean you have these book reading groups like smut hood and dark and taboo romance group and all of these groups that are i mean these people i mean some of the stuff that they are are sharing they are trying to find i'm like what like there's a book out there about that i don't even know if i want to read that like i don't know but then you're amazed when you see like a hundred comments of all the people going, yeah, I'd like to read that too. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think that, that there is that acceptance because there is the communities are out there to, to be a part of where there's kind of no judgment. That's really awesome. I definitely would agree that from a reader perspective, even authors, that, that a lot has changed. But I do hear stories that are like that more than just anecdotal mm-hmm. of whether it's banned books on Amazon, right? Whether it's this different, now I guess platforms, right? Who kind of control us rather than publishers. And I'm curious how both of you have experienced that. And then also for for you, Susie, when thinking about this community you're building, how you've actually made it a safe space. Because it's one thing to say, we are a place in which we can all come and share our passion and and read our story judgment-free. But that also takes like action to do. One of the first started my Facebook group, which is less in the low country. And when I started it, I said, this is going to be a platform only for women because I wanted it to be a safe space where women could talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And initially it wasn't even just book, book related. It was anything related, kids, family, whatever. It's kind of turned more into a little more of a book community just because so many of my fans and other author friends are joining it. So now it's becoming more, more so about books, but also just like when your kids are making you crazy or like, I haven't had been able to have sex with my husband because the kids are in the room next door and they're just not going to bed like they should or whatever it is. It's frustrating. People can kind of share or their funny memes or whatever it is. And having that kind of space that people can do that and know that there's not going to be anyone judging them. And, and I think that there's some really great other groups that do the same on Facebook. I feel like Facebook's kind of a good place. I know a lot of people are on Twitter, but I feel like my audience that reads my books are mostly on Facebook. I don't know. It just seems to be the case, but I, I kind of like that. I think that people out there say, and TikTok, I mean, even like people out there saying on TikTok, like, yeah, I love when two stepbrothers are getting it on or whatever then that makes people go, well, I like that too. And then more and more people will hear about your book and it kind of gets out there and then it suddenly becomes mainstream. And that's amazing to me because I just am just like some of this stuff that now, I mean, nowadays it almost seems like it's a badge of honor if you get your book banned. I want to read that book because that was banned by Amazon. Yes. It is kind of interesting to see how, how things are evolving and changing. But I think the most important thing to remember as an author is to kind of stick with what you do best and to stay true to yourself and not to try to jump on whatever that fad is. So like, Oh wow, everybody's writing all these taboo books. So I'm going to do that. Um, I only write taboo subject matter. That is something that I would want to read and is of interest to me. So I don't try to go into a genre or a realm that even if I've read it, but I just know that it's just not something I would be good at writing because I'm just not that wholly into it. 
like I couldn't write like a shapeshifter book romance because I just know nothing about that. <laughs> so it would be foolish for me to try to do that. So I think that's part of part of growing and being successful is kind of really sticking and being true to you and like what you do well and not letting the fads or the momentary things kind of distract you from sticking with what you're passionate about writing. Don't let your husband try to convince you to write a book that has lots of guns and shooting and killing because that's what you <laughs> I'm not good at that. I don't know about all the guns. <clears throat> I like to write about things that I feel really comfortable and know a lot about. Like if I feel like if I'm having to do three years of research to write a book, then I'm going to lose interest. That's just me. Yeah, I'm the same. Way. I mean, Diana Galbadon, I love you. Like, God bless you. But I read those books and I'm like, oh, no wonder it takes her five years to write one. <laughs> I'm the same way myself, too. I like to, although I don't mind researching, I think it's it's best to write what's authentic to you. Because especially when thinking about building a community, I mean, like, it's almost, you would almost have to be like living a lie in a way to like actually interact with a community that like isn't about what you are about. Because then it's like the people who you're going to attract to you are going to be the people who like your stories. And you kind of get caught in this, I think, really problematic situation as an author. I understand how people can get caught in that, but it's not very sustainable, like you were saying. And I, I think you have the awesome insight. And for you, when thinking about building your own platform and your own future as a writer. I have this year gotten away from writing a little bit more than I would have liked to work on this event. And I think right now I'm in that kind of struggle of trying to find that balance and figure out like what it is I want to focus on. I mean, do I want to focus on the brand, Susie, Susie Webster? Do I want to focus on the books for Susie Webster? Or do I want to focus on the community of less than the low country, low country. I mean, what is my priority? And that's kind of, I mean, honestly, I'm at a crossroads right now where I'm just trying to kind of figure that out. And which is kind of crazy to be 52 and having, asking these questions of yourself. But I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to be 52 and go, well, I have these choices and I like them all. Maybe I'll do them all. But there is a little bit of kind of being the jack of all trades and the master of none. So do I want to be that or do I want to try to master one thing? And, and I've always been one that prefers to have like a couple balls in the air. It's just more fun for me that way. So just trying to figure out, well, can I get, how many books a year can I get out if I also do this event? And what other things can I do to help these authors that in this community that I'm growing that's not going to take away too much from me also writing books? So and that's a big thing too. A lot of it is just time management and, and, and I've never been great at that. <laughs> Gerald at time management. I'm like, wait a second. It's almost one o'clock right now. What have I done today? So I did go on the rowing machine today. So nice. that's an accomplishment. I totally understand that. I think that when, when we record podcasts like this and when we just share interesting conversations with interesting people, especially like when we think about subscriptions, because it, it almost feels like an extra thing. And it, it's hard for authors to understand who are maybe thinking about really investing their community and trying to generate an income from their readers in that close relationship. It's tough to, to know like when is the right time for things and if and how I should do it. And I know, Amelia, you've juggled 
a lot of balls in the air almost since the day you started. So speaking to Susie, what would be your advice to someone? I would say do the one that makes you the happiest. I know that's like, sounds so cliche, but if you like focus on the one that like makes you really feel really good, I think you're going to just like be more positive in every other aspect and you're going to be more motivated to do those like little like side projects that you might have. Yeah. That's what, that's what I've done at least in the past. And I found it very, very useful. The hard thing is too, as an author, writing is a very solitary experience and I'm a very extroverted person. So it's doing the lit low country event was awesome for me because I was really utilizing all my skills, but also I was able to do something that fed the kind of extroverted side of me. Mm -hmm. It is trying to find that balance because I do love writing and I love the result of finishing a book. It's like such a great feeling. I love to read my own books, even the ones, even the ones that I think aren't that great. And I'm like, yeah, I know there's better writing out there, but I'm like, yeah, I wrote this. It's still good. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I love that satisfaction of that. But I think it's kind of nice to have this kind of author community and to try to build this as a almost like a side benefit. Like this is a great side benefit. So that's what I'm trying to work on is like, how can I do it? it, it, Put the writing in there every week, doing so many words a week, but then also moving forward on continuing to build the community. And that's really important, I think, for everyone, because I think in today's world of publishing, you have to be that. You have to be willing to put yourself out there if you want to grow your fan base, especially as a self-published author. Yeah. I do agree. And it's it is really hard because I consider myself more of an introvert too, and I'm fairly shy. So it is really hard as an author who is like that to like go out there and like make TikTok videos or go out there and respond to like all the comments on Facebook or whatever. But it's something that at least responding, like doing doing like small things over like a long period of time, you become a lot more comfortable with it. And it's something that you do look forward to. Like you look forward to seeing all these comments and seeing how people respond to your your novel. I would say just like take it little by little, especially if you're an introvert. You don't have to do all the things at one time. It's definitely going to overwhelm you. People do notice when you respond and people really like it. And yeah. fans, I mean, I hear that about Jennifer Hartman. She's really good about that. I don't know how she freaking does it, but like she responds to everybody. And so, I mean, I know. So, and people comment on that. Like I see people commenting on how like yeah. generous she is by, even if it's just a little heart emoji, whatever, she does do that. And I think especially in the early years starting out, I think you should always try to do that. But I think that makes such yeah. a difference to fans. They, I mean, they are fan girling out over you, even though you think that's weird. Cause you're like, how, why? Like, why are you fangirling? Yeah. But they are just get such a thrill, like just to meet you in person. And I'm always still amazed by that when people are like, Oh my gosh, they know everything about, I mean, everybody knows everything about me. It's all out there. But they're like, I know so much about you. And oh my gosh, how was your vacation in Maine? And I'm like, oh my gosh. like, <laughs> Yeah. You set yourself up for that. It's literally so crazy. I, my mom, my mom is friends with somebody and her daughter just had a baby and they like named the baby Amelia. And I was like, oh my gosh, like because of, mm. because of me. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, 
Oh my god! Look, when, people start so... getting ta- when people start getting tattoos about your books, I mean, then you've made you've made it. When you're Kate Stewart and they have like Raven Hood tattoos all over their body, I'm like, what mm-hmm. is freaking happening right now? That's amazing, though. As like an author to like see yeah. that, you're just like, wow. And I'm like, well, I did consider getting a Harry Potter tattoo once, so I get, <laughs> I get it. One thing I do want to say though, because when we talk about social platforms and everything, a lot of times, especially like in the age of TikTok, we think gotta put our face on camera especially for authors who operate under pen names which is at least to what i found especially common in the romance community people might not want their family their employer to know what they're doing that's like still a very serious problem and one thing i'm curious for both of your insights on is let's say you don't want to have people know about your personal life let's say you don't want to have people see your face because you have a right as an author to do that how do you build a community when that is your situation. I feel like the, probably the best thing would be to lean into it almost, like AKA that musician Sia or whatever her name was. Remember when she would wear the cover her face so you didn't know what she really looked like and yeah. wear the wigs? Maybe you lean into it. <laughs> I mean, maybe you just are like everything, all your communications, you have an avatar for yourself, whatever it is, and you're just using kind of almost like a fake persona and you let your readers know that's what you're doing. Someone who does this very well, not in the book community, but his name's Corpse Husband, I think. That's his like online profile. He has millions of followers. He's never shown his face. People just freak out when they get like, when they get like a hand picture of like his hand. They like go crazy over it. I mean, I would just like lean into it and go, listen, like my my family members are like high profile and I just can't have it out there. I mean, I would, I would make it a thing. I mean, unfortunately, I think unless you are just, your writing is so extraordinary that it's blowing away a traditional publisher and they buy your book and give you a huge advance. Any other person who's trying to grow themselves via self-publishing or indie publishing, you have to be prepared to share. Whether you're sharing secretly or you're sharing publicly, you've got to be prepared to interact and share yourself with your readers. I mean, I think think readers love that. I have different perspective. I agree readers love that, but I have a slightly different perspective because I think what's actually happening is something deeper, which uh, if people want to look into very deeply because there's lots of studies done in this. There's a key psychological element that this is all playing on, which is parasocial relationships. And I think that authors, specifically fiction authors, have an insane advantage when it comes to this. And You can build the parasocial relationship between you and your reader as you being the person they're having the relationship with the author. But in reality, like you don't actually have to approach it that way because you're creating a story in which you're actually getting attached to these main characters oftentimes. And you could almost portray yourself as the main character. Like, like what if you got a newsletter written by the main character? I mean, authors don't do this. It's an traditional approach, but if you want to be just as open and just as communicative with your readers, yeah. you can take a, a different approach where you're actually hearing from the main character every day. And and that to me is a reader as well. If I already like that story, because a lot of readers like don't care about the author's life. Like yeah. some people really yeah. do and they want to be in these communities, but every reader who likes your book wants to know about the character's life. So I think if you can lean into that, you can be good. And when you actually think about these social platforms, yep. I encourage people to look up this phenomenon of VTubers. It, all, it takes place mainly in anime, where you have an anime character who is now on Twitch, is now on TikTok, and they're yeah. using, I guess, 
basically you hire a digital artist and you get some software to overlay the image over you where you're on camera, but it's not, it doesn't look like you. It's this actual character and no author that I know of has done this yet, but VTubers are are massive. They're playing video games with these communities. They're doing all these interesting things and people know it's a character. That's the entire idea, but they want to be closer to that. You could even as an author, hire someone to do that. If you're like at scale down the line, like you could have four or five worlds and four or five characters that you're hiring out down the line that are all doing that. And so in the beginning though, that sounds like, okay, yeah, if I had four or five series and four or five people that I can help hire out and do these things. But in the beginning, I would recommend starting, starting small with what you're good at. If you're comfortable with writing, write. You can start a newsletter. You can start a blog. You can start posting things on Facebook about this this character that you want to share. And you don't have to share your own life if that's not what you're comfortable with. But if yeah. you're comfortable with it, I personally am. Susie is. Amelia seems like it seems like we all are. That's something we have a comfort level for. It can really work. That's something that more authors have done up to this point. But the future of publishing is in our hands. So if you hear the ways that other people are doing things and don't find something that feels comfortable for you. I would just say, like, look at the principles that are working for them and and, and keep it going. And, and what's really happening yeah. is the relationship being built. I think they, your readers would probably like that even more than hearing about what time you brushed your teeth this morning and how many minutes you were on your rowing machine. But my 45th year old ladies like to know that I'm out there doing it. I guess. My is, for me, my approach is, is different. And I think that for a lot of people, they might resonate more with this approach because I'm not doing like a VTuber approach or let me build a world around my character. I might one day, I mean, it sounds interesting, but I'm just sharing an idea. But how I take my approach is I write books about technology. I write books about where the future is going. So if I can share my own insights on where the future is going, startups, technology, futurist kind of things, and just share content like that in like a newsletter, in effect, I'm becoming a creator who is creating content that could exist as a business unto itself. And that's the top of funnel into my stories and ultimately into my community. And that, that's how I personally view it. And if you're not writing sci-fi, you could, anyone who's writing anything connected to business, like if you're doing anything in the technology space, it's very kind of easy to take that approach. But if you want to talk about, like if you're a romance writer and you want to talk about, like you can create content for, in, in Susie's case, middle-aged women who are maybe going, finding their second love, second marriage type of deal. I mean, that's a lot of people who need insights. It's a blog. It's, people don't even need to know like your personal story in that, but you're sharing information and ultimately bringing people to your books. And you could probably do something similar for most genres. I mean, fantasy, right? Like it, there's, it's harder for me to imagine some genres and how you would take that model, but you all are authors. You're very creative. It's just an idea. And there's some authors who've done it very, very successfully. And if you use that model, you don't have to make money just doing books. It can be <laughs> consulting that you do for people. For sure. And for you going forward, where do you envision your business going? I and mean, we're kind of in a time now where you can think about selling direct. You can think about subscriptions. You can think about all these kind of different business models. Continuing to grow the community and helping authors by offering my myself as a conduit for readers and authors to connect. So whether it be a newsletter where I'm recommending books, whether it be a subscription book box, different sorts of things where newer authors can kind of get their voice heard through my platform of readers, 
and kind of, again, giving authors a kind of a little jumping off point when their books are great, like AKA like a Jennifer Hartman, when I read her, one of her first books, I was like, wow, this girl's really got something special here. To be able to have that platform where I could share her book with a big, big, big audience and give her the opportunity for other people to discover her. I mean, that's what I would love, love to be doing on a more kind of social way. I don't want to be like a publisher. Yeah. I don't want to be a marketing company for, for authors. I just want to do something where it's more organic and sharing. And that's because that's what I like. I mean, that's what I like to be a part of. So that's what I want to have for readers to be a part of with me, I guess, if that makes sense. I can think of a few people who've started off doing that exclusively, like Sasha Alsberg. She had a big best-selling series called Zenith. I think the first book. And she was a booktuber who basically reviewed books and talked about them online. She got several hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. And then for her, with traditional publishing path and, and that kind of deal. And there's a few more authors who are now authors who write kind of started off as like a reading creator, if you will. And that's something that a lot of authors can think about as well. You can build yeah. a relationship and build a community around just yeah. what books you Definitely. love to read. Because I mean, if anything's going to bring readers in, it's talking about books. That's definitely something that's that's not too much challenge. And people love this. And obviously this is a lot of what book talk is. Um, and if you go on to book talk and explore that, that's kind of like the hot new area that people are sharing things about books, but you don't have to do it like on book talk. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on media. I mean, there's all these different sites, maybe book talks, what's hot now oh, for a good reason, it. but that doesn't mean if you don't want to go on TikTok that you can't still build a community Instagram reels as we talked about before. So yeah, this is a lot of great stuff. And I wanted to end it off asking you what your advice would be to someone who's just starting out and wants to build a community. Anytime you can get yourself in a book signing situation where there's going to be other authors. I mean, some of the first authors that I met early, early in my career when Barnes and Noble did like a local book signing day and I was there with like nine other authors and, and uh, some of those authors I'm still friends with today and are still reading my books and I'm still reading theirs. And I mean, just trying to find places where you can meet because there's nothing to me, there's nothing more valuable than meeting people in person. I mean, the, the best the best super fans I have, the best relationships I've built are the ones that I've, where I've met people at a book signing or in person. So, and that's why I'm kind of passionate about having book signings where newer authors can be a part of it because it's just such a great way to start. So just finding, finding your people. That's lovely. And most authors, yeah. we don't bite. We tend to be very nice people. And one place you can go to meet new authors, especially if you are a senior romance author is the Romance Con Lesson Low Country community. I'm going to link down to Susie's website and the Facebook group so you can check that out. Otherwise, I hope everyone had an amazing time listening to this. Thank you so much for being here. You can also check out our Facebook group. It's a community welcome to all authors who are interested in pursuing a subscription model. As you can tell in this podcast, we focus a lot on talking about community and talking about how you can not only find your tribe of authors, but find your tribe of readers you. who can hopefully build a sustainable business around. So Susie, thank you so much. You gave so much incredible insights. I hope everyone has an amazing rest of the day. Thank you for listening.